coming this March exclusively to my Patreon is my first written illustrated graphic novel by yours truly. It is a homage to Fahrenheit 451 as Guy Montag now has to serve out 30 days without technology with the lights out. And in that process, he discovers a talent he never had, drawing life into the world. Now, as the sentence dwindles down and he's ready to return to society, maybe, just maybe, he has found something more to go for. Exclusively on Patreon starting this March. Check it out now in the episode description below. Sam and Twitch, little brothers that, 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 want, that always take each other's lunch money. Just one second here. <laughs> this is always good. This is always the annoying part. There is that. One, two. There we go. So I, I'm I'm just looking at the link here. So welcome everybody to a Steph and Matt have come back once again. She is going to probably be picking on me a little bit because she actually won, as you can see. I would never. I would never. I'm much classier than that. <laughs> Tears in my eyes as a as a, as a stream down. I, I can't really feel <laughs> bad. I can't feel too too bad because the the Lions the Lions played a good game. They really, they sure really did. 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 Yeah. Oh, they absolutely did. Yeah, so I, I can't, I, and I'm actually not that mad about the Dan Campbell calls for, for one really simple reason. That's how they won. Like, all the games they won, they, they took chances and they were bold. And uh, it didn't it didn't work against San Francisco, but I would rather I would rather be the team that lost being who they are. Listen, for sure. I would, I would rather lose that way than how Baltimore lost. Baltimore was, was, um, they just fell apart and you know and it was the same thing with philadelphia too um and sorry baltimore and philadelphia fans but dan campbell made some really um brave i'll, I'll say like family friendly <laughs> i would use a different word but he he made some very brave decisions but he he justified them in a way that i'm like okay i can respect that and so um he he goes for it a lot of times instead of going for the field goal, which is the, the safer bet. But, you know, um, it, it didn't work out, but that was the craziest game of, and, and I'll be the first to admit, I mean, obviously. It's easy. It's easy when you win. Huge 49ers fan, but they barely beat the, the uh, Packers and they barely beat uh, the Lions. So um, I, I can admit that. And there were things that went in their favor. And then there were just things that just, that's just the game. That's any, any kind of sport. You know, there's just times where things go your way and things don't go your way. And so I'm, I'm fully aware of that. I am, I am not saying that that didn't happen, but I'm also not a conspiracy theorist that I see a lot of people where they're like, oh, you know, you know, the, it's, it's rigged. And the NFL decided at the beginning of the season who was going to go to the Super Bowl. And I don't, I don't partaking that i don't stupid. believe in that yeah that's stupid <laughs> well i wasn't going to use that word but yeah I'll use I don't... That word, that's stupid <laughs> yeah. no there is no narrative that that there is no team that would be paid enough money to purposely throw a game that way that might happen in like well, lower level leagues but not in the, the, NFL. the biggest the biggest thing is here is that anybody that's like it's really easy to say oh it's scripted but to think about the number of people that would have to be involved in a scripting, as well as Las Vegas, as well as betting, yeah. as well as all this, and have nobody be like, 
I was approached with the script. It's foolish to even say that now as a, a as an official myself, refereed soccer for 24 years, done over 5,500 games. Is it possible that there could be some officials that are on the take? It's possible. For what's sure. More there likely, probably is, what's more but... likely is, what's more likely is you've got rules that are incredibly unclear in their enforcement like what happened in the Detroit game with the we with um you know who was eligible um there are some rules that are just not clear enough and their enforcement is not black and white and I think that that's where more of the problem comes in than anything um as a Dolphin fan I um you go back to the Dolphins Eagles game and that game more than any other game this year you can debate all you want that game more than any other game had some of the most ridiculous non-calls to the point that everybody was like, this doesn't make any sense. Linebackers being headlocked, taken to the ground, and there was no penalty call. I don't think it's the same officiating team every time that has been under fire. So yeah, but they're not like that. These guys are probably on the take. They're probably just bad officials or they just need to get, they need to reinforce the rules point of emphasis and go from there. Dan I feel Campbell, like it's more it. yep. less conspiracy theory in that they are not familiar with the very technical rules and they have a very tough job. I'm not defending the officials like that's not, but and, I, and they, I feel yeah. like it's easy for us to sit on our comfy couch and be like, oh, you know, they should have. But it stuff happens in Matt's an official. I've heard, you know, him talk about, you know, with soccer, how he has officiated a game and how people have have disagreed with it and it's like you you just don't know and and you're making a decision that's why they have the booth reviews you know and if the booth agrees then there's not much you can do about it you know at that point in time but all that said you know sunday I'm very excited. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm I'm going to get that out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. To get my, my only thing is I'm just, I am going to be very curious in the years to come. Cause I do remember a time when there was such a division between betting and sports today that I could definitely see definitely more issues with integrity down the road. I'm going to say it, let's say it like that because the betting is a big business. I am just cynical enough to believe that. But to your point, um, human error is part of the game. Like that's that's just it too. Like we, they're, yeah. they're, they're, it, it's part of the game. Mm-hmm. And while it's easy, the reality of the situation is like every team gets calls that go in their favor and every team gets calls that do not go in their favor. Sometimes Absolutely. fairly, 100%. sometimes not fairly. The reality yeah. of the situation is, it. Um, I mean, even in sports where refereeing is a lot more or judging is a lot more controversial, i.e. boxing and UFC, right? Yeah. Even, even, even then, most fighters are honest enough to admit, like if I had knocked them out or I had took care of things in a different way in the game, it wouldn't have come to this. So even if it does come down to yeah. that call sometimes, even in that situation, there is a degree of meritocracy involved. This is the say now, now that all said, I would love to see a San Francisco Detroit rematch next year. I really would. I would too. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I not think on the schedule, but yeah. yeah I was, you know, I would have been okay playoffs. Playoffs. Playoffs, yeah. you never know. You uh, honestly, I think Detroit is on a stride and they're gonna be 
legit for a few I, years. I, I, I actually pity who's the number four seed in the NFC next year. Yeah. You're going to have the unfortunate <laughs> pleasure of either playing Detroit or Green Bay. I think I would have been okay. You know, it, it's yeah. one of those things where you, as a, as a fan, and I've, I'm a lifelong fan, uh, you say, okay, who can I be okay losing to? I, <laughs> if I had to lose, Detroit, you know, they they are a legit team. They are a talented team. Mm-hmm. It was a weird game, and they could have easily been in the Super Bowl. It could have been easily reverse roles right now. Yeah. So you never know what the next year but you know that's that's the thing. It's any given Sunday. You never know what's going to happen, and there are teams that you you will say. I mean, I will be honest. I never thought that the Chiefs were going to make it to the Super Bowl because they were decent this year, but they weren't as on fire as they were in previous years, and they still managed to make it. So you just never know when it when as far as like when it comes to playoff time, it's anybody's game. You never know. So we, my team got lucky. They're in the Super Bowl. I'm going to celebrate that no matter what. Yes. Regardless of the circumstances that led them to that, because if they get that W, that's all that matters in the end. So. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. So I should do yeah. this before before we continue with any other talk here. I have already posted the link on in the Twitch stream right now. If anyone wants to take a look at their campaign, Hairs of Isildar, the Paris Prospects books one and three are on right now i click the link on there if you guys are interested whether you're watching this live or you're watching this later the link will be there for you guys to check out go to do it and uh, go do so and get pledged as these guys make some incredible books thank you sir yes yes I, I i wish i wish i could support it more than i do it's been it's been a it's been a tough couple months so far to start this year but this is but it, but it's definitely something that uh I've enjoyed your work. You guys, you guys always are getting better, and your works are becoming denser. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we like to tell a story. Let's just say that right yeah. now. Well, yeah, well, no, it's like, but there's also like, as you get older, we're we're gonna say wiser with a question mark because I'm here, but um, but I you realize how much more how many different ways there is to tell a story. Right, you realize like they, there's a lot of Absolutely. ways, and it's not just necessarily the way. Sometimes you know what works. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I get the feeling yeah. with, with hairs, especially. You guys are like, okay, we get the riff to this to, to this song, but every once in a while, you're like, you know what? We've always wanted to try this little chord on chord in the in in in, in the story. Let's try it and see what happens. And even if it cool. doesn't always, um, even if it doesn't always work out the way you hope for you learn something and exactly. well, I, I can say that when you said that it's interesting because when we were constructing this arc we knew once we get down with issue two where the arc was going to go and as we were really putting it together we already had our notes we're like this is going to be too truncated to do this in book three so that's why there's going to be book three and there's going to be more because there were some some beats that needed to be the biggest thing. They needed to be the cliffhanger. They didn't need to be, this is the the thing in the TV show that's happening in minute 17 in a 44-minute episode. It needed to be the thing that was going to be the holy crap, what's going to happen next episode thing. And it, it helped F and I to be able to um, 
really be able to expound on those things and make them huge and make them important so that when we get to the final resolves of the story arc, you're going to be like, okay, that was really cool. I thought it was going one way and it is still going to go the same way it was going in issues one and two. But then you get to three and you're going to be like, holy crap, you guys just threw about five monkey wrenches into this that I did not expect were going to be coming. When you get to three, you're going to be like, okay, how in the heck is this going to get resolved? Because it's going to look unresolvable at that point. It's going to look completely insane, but we know where we're going. We know what we're doing and we cannot wait to get the next pieces of the puzzle out there. All right. It, it pretty much the same sentiment for you, Miss Steph? Absolutely. I think that that we've raised the stakes enough in this story arc and, and even the last story arc where people are going to be really, really invested in the story and are going to finish the issue and they're going to go, okay, I definitely want to know what's happening next. And that's reflected. We launched yesterday and um, it's a lot of repeat backers, which to me tells us, okay, that's that's a good thing because that means that there are people that are invested enough in the story that want to know more. And that's always what we want. We want those people to want to come back to learn what is happening, um, what's going to come of these characters. Uh, that That's why we do what we do. So it's it's great to see the repeat backers, but that's absolutely the goal uh, when we're working on the script and the storyline for the, the issues that are coming, um, you know, both now and in the future. Very, very, very cool. So um, so I, I was going to ask if this is bigger than you expected, but you kind of said you already kind of answered that. So um, I guess I guess besides how big it's, the story has become, what's been the biggest – I don't know how much how spoilerific this can actually be, but what's been the biggest surprise with this particular art, story than, say, your previous arcs with this, these characters? Uh, I think the biggest surprise, the fact that we wrote a whole graphic novel for Keto. Um, like when we, uh, we originally thought that Keto was going to be uh, just a small story that was going to be an addendum in the Perilous Prospects uh, collected graphic novel. When we got to the end of the arc, we planned on it being like 10 to 12 pages. Um, and as we started putting that together, we were like, yeah, there's way more meat on this bone to be able to tell this story. And the next thing we knew, it was a full graphic novel with uh, its own universe fully and developed out characters um, probably had to make some of the most difficult character decisions we've ever made since we've been working together with some of the secondary characters in, in the uh, I am Keto universe. And um, so I think that's the biggest surprise was you know, we thought it was just going to be, you know, here's Keto. We're going to have a little bit of flavor around it. And then you're going to go back to airs and see just Keto. And for us to really develop characters for I Am Keto that we really grew to care about, and it pained us to do some of those things to them, um, it definitely fleshed out Keto. And we told people the whole time in I Am Keto that his story in the Yamaran Empire was going to be finished um, with, with the I Am Keto graphic novel. Um, his story is not there anymore. His story is in heirs. And by knowing what happens to him there, uh, the things that he is going to bring to light in issue three um, definitely are a catalyst for changing a lot of people's minds, which was really cool. We didn't really think that Keto was going to be that big of a role, even though he's still a secondary character. The things that he brings to the table changes everybody's mindset and really became like 
the exclamation point that we needed to make the characters make some of the logical decisions that they're going to make. Uh, so I, I guess I guess the question is, are you going to do this with more of your characters? Because after all, Keto was such an, une, I would say an unexpected success, right? So, <coughs> so now it's like you got a whole bunch of other characters you can play with that you can only do, if not the same thing exactly, right? Matt's got just has got this look on his face. It's like I don't, I can't. I don't wanna, <laughs> well, I don't, don't want to like give anything away, but we are realizing when we're looking back at some of our older stories, like Tales from Nocturnia, for example, which is our medieval fantasy series that we did. That is a graphic novel. It's, it was three individual issues that we released as a graphic novel as well, and we're saying, you know, and I think every writer sees this they look back at their previous work and they go, okay, I could tweak this a little bit and I can make this a little bit better. I've learned and I've grown since then. Yeah, right there. Mm -hmm. So um, we are, we're kind of in the process of that right now. Um, but as far as airs goes, one of the, the things that I've loved the most about it is that characters that were supposed to be side characters are becoming more major players in the story. Mm -hmm. And that's, organic that's just sort of happened as we've done the writing process and i love that so much i love that as a viewer of tv shows or movies or anything like that where you're like oh there's this side character and they're kind of cool but they're just in the background and then they become more and more elevated so we're trying to do that so that people don't feel like they're reading the story and going okay it's it's about like the, these four people but i i want more you know, some people like that ensemble cast. And I wouldn't necessarily say that we're trying to do an ensemble cast, but where the story lends to other characters that have been in the background to have like kind of like their their defining moment, we're doing that. Uh, I was yeah, and if you look at if you look at Ayers and you look at Keto, both of the casts are huge. And we have tried to do what we can to pull back. We actually had ideas for a lot more characters in Ayers, but it was those were just kind of like ideas on the scratch board kind of thing and like the, the the writer's room. And as we looked at it, we're like, we don't need those that many characters because there's already so many and there's different factions and all that. We need to make sure that these characters have a chance to play out. And, and to Steph's point, there's a couple characters that are major players in what's going on now. Uh, Miss Marigold and Augustus Obergarten. Um, they are citizens from Shadowshaven that have become part of the militia that have been led by um, the constable. And we had told our artist, Alessandro, um, when we were developing these characters, yeah, we need to have a couple of characters that look a certain way, um, that they're going to be a part of the um, peculiar people in Shadowshaven. And we didn't even have names for them then. And Alessandro drew a couple of characters and there were a few that we zoomed in on and we're like, look, and we actually circled and we're like, this guy right here, this wacky looking dude, this is going to be Augustus Obergarten. This is his name. And so whenever you see us put this name in the script, this is who it's going to be. And he's actually become a major player. And that's really neat because we never expected that that person that Alessandro drew was going to be that way. And um, it was really neat. Kind of the same thing in Keto. We gave him a lot of artistic freedom to come up with a lot of the Dark Conquesters, a lot of the Soul Rippers, which I'm actually wearing one of the Soul Ripper glow-in-the-dark shirts right now. Um, we gave them a lot of artistic freedom because there's a lot more monsters and and D&D uh, &D type um, 
aesthetics to what's going on there. And um, he drew some really fun characters. We had a lot of fun integrating and deciding who were going to be the ones that were going to rise to the top and get like bigger roles in the script and who are the ones that were just going to kind of be background players. Ooh, so this is, this is going to be a big question. See, I have a, I have a theory about stories, like people, like 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 the stories we choose to write, right? Because in your particular case, you guys have a whole bunch of characters you can choose from, right? But some speak to you more than others, and at least at least when you start, and sometimes you get surprised along the way as you formed it out. So the two questions I have is, what I my theory is. You, you care, the things you care about as creators are the things you tell in your stories. More than the concept, it's the things you truly care about. But also along the way, I think it evolves as a creator. And this, this is the complex part, it evolves as a creator. And you suddenly say, hey, I got this whole vision I never imagined before. So the challenge is, do you stay true to that original vision? And if so, do you do you change the whole treasure map to how you got there, or and also do you do you, do you resist the temptation to go backwards, because that's also a temptation now that you know more, or or do you or do you do go backwards like this like as the process evolves how have you guys evolved? I feel like the answer to that question is D all of the above. Steph, would you agree with that? But... <laughs> I think that there's a little bit of all of those things that happen in our stories. Um, I think that one of the, the best examples of staying true to a vision, um, we knew exactly where I am keto was going to conclude. We knew there were things that needed to be drawn in the first couple of pages that we were going to call back at a later time that we had to insist we're drawn a certain way because we knew at the end it was going to end a certain way. So where the final outcome is in that book, the final six, seven pages, we knew what was going to happen there before we even gave Alessandro script page number one. Um, most of that stuff, other than like the little tiny little flower details, stayed almost exactly true to form. Um, how we got there was different in errors. Um, the ultimate goal, like where we're going, is going to be exactly what we've planned from the very beginning. But how we're getting there, I think, is very different. What do, what do you think, Steph? Do you agree with any of that? No, I do agree with that. And the answer that I was going to give has come from the characters that we have featured in our, when we do Kickstarters, we always do a draw me in tier. The draw me in tier is a, a high dollar tier that somebody can select where their likeness is going to be drawn into the comic. And there have been a few of our friends now in the industry who have chosen this option time and time again that we have started to, the, the, the line between um, storytelling and the draw me in and fitting them into is sort of blended a little bit. And so there's a few characters that have become so much of an integral part of the story that we're like, you know what? This character has a life of their own and we really love what we've done with this character. And it's even better that the person who paid the money to be drawn in loves the direction, the story arc that their character has gone in. And we've kind of tailored it to that because we're like, you know what? If they have a vibe on this, 
they're paying the money for it. We want to continue with that vibe. And if they're happy, we're happy. And it's it's good and fun anyway. And it doesn't take away from the story necessarily. But we're giving these characters actual character arcs now because they have continued to do that because they're invested in their, the character that is their likeness. They love that character. We love that character. That's been one of my favorite things that I've seen with the Kickstarter campaigns. So, um, so that's kind of the flip side of it where we've said, you know what, we're starting to, these characters are so much a life of the story that we know who they are and we're writing them, you know, a, as a background character or a main character or a side character, either way, uh, because this person put the money in to say, we want to support you. And I would love to see my likeness in comic form. And we've taken a run with it and it's been an organic thing. And that to me is super satisfying. So do you have a favorite of the dramas? I would say, yeah, there's a couple because it's hard because there's like, there's our friends, you know, that, that support us no matter what. But I would say there's one particular where the character is so silly, but we're giving this character depth and in the end, they're going to be great. And uh, to me, that's a redemption story. And I love that in anything, in anything, even if this was not like a draw me in and so it's just a, a crazy side character that we did. They're getting a, a fulfilling character arc that I think a lot of people are going to identify with. And I know our friend, our person who has paid the money to have this likeness drawn in feels fulfilled by it which is number one for me. But if anybody else can identify with it and say, you know what? I've been misunderstood my whole life too. And now I've risen up and kind of gone past that and found success in my life. To me, like not like trying to give away too much, but to me, I'm like, that. that's, that's why we write stories. So for me, that's very satisfying. I just learned something from about you, Miss Steph. But how about you, Matt? Oh, I, I, <laughs> so uh, Steph, were you purposely trying not to say the name? Because I, will, I won't say it if you don't want to say it. But oh, um, I, that was I up mean, to you. I'm totally fine. Oh, I, so it so there, there, there are two characters that have kind of outlasted in airs. One of them, the one she's talking about is Helga, the town yeah, lunatic. Sure. And uh, we, had, we had a lot of fun with Helga, the town lunatic, uh, because there's little, uh, little Easter eggs for, for the person who's been drawn in with it that are very personal yes. to them and very identifiable, little... identifiable yeah. to them and uh so we had a lot of fun with that the other one is uh mordecai blackrock our friend jay um we uh jay's jay's a, a, a buddy from what i would say from the old hood but not really the old hood he's from the old metal hood like i've known him online uh for years i used to i've done some guest spots hosting his uh his uh live radio show um jay's been drawn into a lot of our issues and uh, we created a character for him named Mordecai Blackrock. And um, when I when we pitched it to him, we're like, dude, you're gonna love this character because you're a complete dick. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. It's exactly what jerk. I want. And he's like, I love that. It's the same thing with our friend Annie. When we were like, your character is out of their mind. She's like, yes, I love it. And but we're like, trust us, it's going somewhere. She's not yeah. just gonna be crazy. There's gonna be reasons for it, and she's gonna have a a satisfying into her character arc uh, on a personal note see I, I i think i think i figured out something about miss steph so this is what i think i figured out 
you appreciate you appreciate the fact that a lot of people I'm going to I'm going to make a, this is a guess if I'm wrong you can call me I might be on something instead of onto something so just so just run with me here I think once upon a time that like that like that little part that you, there was probably a point in time in, in in your life when people probably you felt like you weren't looked at like you were underestimated for sure oh yeah i could, de I could definitely see it for and, sure and and i won't make that mistake so i i, I no, i'm sorry you're I'm sorry. absolutely right there was yeah. a big portion of my life where i was kind of bullied because i was just kind of a dorky kid and then when i got into like late teens i was bullied for other reasons too because i was a little bit of a um just a wallflower and it took me a long time to come into my own. And so I identify with those people, those characters that were misunderstood. Because even to this day, I feel like I'm misunderstood. I feel like I can be like, the sky is blue today. And people are like, why are you saying the sky is blue when there's a cloud in the sky? <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's a thing. But I, I think a lot of us experience that. I don't think it's just related to me. <laughs> no, I think it's a thing on the internet. But I do feel it. I do feel like, Everything I say is scrutinized a lot more, but it's been that way my whole life. I, I have gone through periods of time where I've been heavily bullied or heavily ridiculed for the things that I love and like, and I'm just now getting to the point in my life where I'm like, you know what? That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> so I identify with those characters a little bit more. So that could definitely, yeah, plays yeah, a part. I I, I just, just the way I came out, cause I, I, I see, I have this, I have this big vision of these two characters in my head and they kind of remind me of like i like again the outward appearance is that people people this is what you see the reality is no one's no one's one-dimensional like no one everybody's got depths and layers to them that that a lot of people never take the time to look at but if they did so i love doing this show by the way is because i get to meet so many people and because everybody's got like these amazing qualities to them and if you live if you give people a chance they will they will impress you with just what they can accomplish and that's whether it's a lunatic or a rock yeah. a rock a rock musician who plays a complete seems like a complete dick right at least in a comic or in even in real life people people misunderstand each other all the time and and like i said and the reality of the situation is when we really break it all down at the end of the day none of us are really that different i completely agree with well, that one of the things example of that in fiction is jar jar binks which people are like oh my god jar jar in you know episode one he was a ridiculous bumbling idiot and then by episode two and three he was a member of the senate and i think a lot of people questioned that and said how could he have evolved from, you know, bumbling, like silly caricature to somebody who was intelligent. And I'm like, he was that way all the time. You know, you can be both. <laughs> you can be silly and kind of clumsy and just kind of awkward and intelligent at the same time. And I think that that's a beautiful thing that is taken away from that now is that you don't have to be one or the other. And I think that that is one thing that people try to fit people into a box and into a corner and say, okay, you're awkward and weird. So you can't also be smart and intelligent and have things to, you know, give to society. And you can actually be both. And there are many people who are able to accomplish that very well. And so Jar Jar is my example with that. 
like him or hate him, I think there was a point to that that we are trying to do with with some of our characters in our stories as well. Well, well I think I think one of the things too that you know to bring it back to airs, um, these are characters that are misunderstood. Uh, we have one character that we are able to bring back into the fold um, at the end, middle to end of of Perilous Prospects book two, that was always planned on being. A, a huge catalyst in the series um but she's the kind of character that has got if you really look at who she is she's making decisions her name is serenity she's making decisions based on the information that she has has provided in front of her and unfortunately for her she's got a very small amount of information that's in front of her so she looks like a bad guy. She's acting like a bad guy, but she's doing the best she can with what the information is that she has. So when she enters the story, uh, she originally entered at the very end of the Crossroads Conundrum. There is a, the, the major catalyst for this apocalypse. There's um, craziness happening in this laboratory and it's opened a portal and it has brought her through the portal, um, and she never intended on being there. So yes. hopefully Steph is able to jump back in. Yeah, I, I, hope, um, I hope so. That was, I don't know what happened yeah. there. But, um, so, so I'll continue with Serenity. So she gets pulled through a portal, and when she gets pulled through, she sees this conflict happening, and she believes that one character is the good guy, and everybody else there are the bad guys, where, in truth, it's probably the opposite. It's probably the other thing. It's probably the opposite way around. So, so with Serenity, she ends up running away when this explosion happens, and she ends up walking through the wilderness for weeks, and she finds another character. And this character is the first person she's seen in weeks. The person gives her the ability to partner up because they both because she's been burned because of this explosion. He's been burned because of another event that's happened. It's the first person that's given him or given her the time of day, basically, since she's pulled through this portal. And they end up partnering up. Unfortunately for her, this person she's partnered up with is like one of the ultimate bad guys in the story. She doesn't know that. She doesn't know that the people she thought were the bad guys um, when she got pulled through a portal actually aren't that. And she doesn't know that this guy is ultimately a bad guy. So she's ended up partnering with this guy um because that's all she knows sorry about that i don't know what zoom decided to do right now but it was like we're gonna put you in sleep mode and so i just so uh that's right so, so what i was so what i was doing stuff i was explaining uh was serenity and kind of her arc where when she got pulled through a portal she because of things that happened she thinks that certain people are good guys and bad guys and she makes determinations based on that it's and, very and, black and white with her because yeah. she's known no other way in her life yeah and then she she finds this person who's partnered with her and he's like i'll help you get to the hospital we're gonna have to walk on foot um and to her she sees him as a good guy or but he's the ultimate bad guy for things that she doesn't know yet so her understanding of the world is completely opposite um that story arc is going to move forward some in book three uh we're really happy that we finally get to uh expose that now one of the things too about book two we had to be very careful in our marketing for book two 
because we didn't say anything about the characters Phoenix and Serenity because they both were characters that we pulled back from from a long time ago. And they both had very significant reasons. But if we would have said anything about either one of those characters in the marketing, it would have spoiled that surprise. So we didn't say anything about the characters, nothing. It was a surprise then. But now that we're getting ready for book three, it'd be foolish for us to not talk about them because you're going to see them within the very first couple of pages of the book and what their new role is and how they have really ramped up their importance in the story's overall arc. It sounds fair. So it's like one of the things you're talking about too is like personal experience versus the perception versus per, and personal perception versus how the world sees it. And it's interesting because I mean, we, we the real life examples right now, I, I know you're a wrestling fan, Matt, right? So absolutely. Um, right. And, and right now, like WWE is going through a major scandal right now. Right. Uh -huh. And there's no way to defend it. There's absolutely zero. There's zero defense for it. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> there really isn't. I don't, I, I, I don't. No, there's no defense for no defense for the, the, the scandal that is happening outside of the, the wrestling ring for sure. Yeah, there, there is, but it doesn't also change the fact. And this is get, this gets where it gets really weird with, with art artists and their art. Right. Fact of the matter is like when it's all said and done, like he's going to have a major Vince McMahon is who I'm talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to have a major impact on popular culture, regardless of what happens. And a lot of us know him from our childhoods, from our adult, like it's not, that's not going to change when it's over. So that experience for everybody is going to be different. It doesn't change the fact that he's someone like, I, I have no words for some of the shit I read there. Like none. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> none. none. <laughs> well, but, I, I that think that doesn't change the fact, like it doesn't change the fact that, uh, I mean, there's going to be people that are going to look at him through a very different lens based on their experiences with him. Right. And, well, and I think, yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting when you go about five to 10 years into the future and you see how the future views the past through that microscope, because I think a good example is Chris Benoit. Mm -hmm. Chris Benoit, when he was alive, when he was a part of the WWE, he was revered. He was worshipped, one of the greatest technical wrestlers of all time. Um, then you had everything that went down with him and the murders of his family. And then it came out that he did it. And to people like us that remember watching both ends of the story, we saw Chris Benoit um, when he was still a revered person. And now we get to see what's there. There's going to be a... a generation that never saw him before that and so he might just be viewed as just a bad guy so i think in the future you're going to see a generation that doesn't remember the things that vince mcmahon did uh bringing wrestlemania um you know the rock and wrestling connection bringing wrestling into the, the mainstream uh, starting raw doing those kind of things they're not going to remember those things the stone cold and, and mr mcmahon uh they're going to only remember you know, WWE used to be owned by this creep that um, did horrible, horrible things to his employees. Oh, yeah. That, that's definitely so it'll be interesting to see how that, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that public narrative starts to turn as we go forward. Yeah, I, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting how that balances out because it's like, I, I can think of it like, for example, a guy like MVP, who I think is an awesome human being. He got like yeah. he got a chance because of a guy like Vince. So I mean that's a yeah. really interesting 
like I, th I think that's a really interesting thing, right? Because everybody's going to look. Steph has disappeared yet again. I think I think Zoom and Steph are so Steph. Steph's, there's a, California's got some crazy weather going on out there right now. So if she disappears, it's because she's probably having some power problems. But she just messaged me and said, if she drops out, she's going to try to get, jump back in. But it's because of the weather. No, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. So we'll, we'll hope. Yeah. Basically, all I'm saying is like. It's very interesting because especially in a time like now, in some ways I feel kind of when you look at like people, hi, she's back for some more. That was quicker at least this time. Oh my gosh. It's like monsoon raining over here. It's like, we're not our infrastructure in California. can't handle that. So I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> we're no, good right I, now. I, I, I'm getting you. I'm in Calgary and it's snowing right now. I, all right. So it's just like, I, I understand. Right. Yeah. We it, have... It's crazy. Like Florida gets this kind of rain all the time, but we don't. And so our roads and like internet don't know how to handle it, but we're good. We're good. Yeah. And like I said, if you disappear, I under, I understand. So best to you in yeah. California, Miss Steph. No, what what I was, what, what I'm going to finish where he talks a little bit more about your stories before we wrap up is I think it's really interesting today when you look at like what goes on, especially when you look at social media um, and how people perceive each other on social media. If we disagree automatically, oh, you're the bad guy or, or we agree, yeah. hey, you're, you're, you're our friend. And, and it, it's really interesting. I, I, I'm really interested. I, in talking about public perception versus I, I, I sincerely hope like, it's, like stories like yours definitely show show this there's more than one dimension to people and looking at mm -hmm. things in a black and white perspective. I don't think in the long run is a healthy one, even if I'm not, I'm again, not justifying anything I mentioned earlier, because there's no way to do it, but they were human beings to people once upon a time too. Yeah. And that has to always be remembered as well. Well, one of the things about heirs, when you talk about from personal life, um, the first heirs arc is called the crossroads conundrum. And one of the things I believe in personal life is that um, you meet with people at the crossroad where your life and their life are going to intersect that. And it's all about how long do you plan on staying at that crossroad? Do you have more than one crossroad? You might be uh, a sports fan and that's the only thing you have in common with that person. Uh, might be because you work a job with that person, you know, who knows? But it's all about the crossroads um, where we intersect with other people's lives. And that's what the original heirs arc, what everything is about. You've got all these people that are from different time periods, different walks of life, different ways of life, who have been pulled through these portals, and now they are in this spot together. The the There's only two things that these people have in common, which, you know, in the story right now, you've got Michael Isildur, you've got Merck, Shiver, Remnant, Syndrome, um, Keto. Um, they've all either been called through a portal or they've been affected by the portal. And every one of them had a point of isolation in their life um, to where when you put them together, you now have this group of people that were previously isolated and previously alone that for whatever reason, fate has brought them together and they formed this ragtag alliance based on nothing other than the fact that fate put them in the same place at the same time. And they have to decide, how are they going to move forward? Is there a reason for why we were put together? And they say, you know what? Who cares if there was a reason? We are here. Let's make the best of the time that we have and let's make a reason 
because we're here together. Something supernatural, something insane has put us here together. Let's figure it out. Let's create our own path together. I think I just figured out something about you, right? So I think I just figured out something about you. What you got? Okay, so let's see, let's see if I'm on something again or if I'm on to something. Here's my theory about you. You're a big purveyor of community. And the thing is for you, and this is what I mean, you're not necessarily looking at communication, community of not just wants and interests, but you're a guy that I feel that if you're a friend of somebody, you're loyal for life, right? Barring, you know, something really extreme, but you're one of those people. And the thing is what you're looking for, and it sounds like what the hairs were looking for in their story a little bit, whereas a bunch of people somewhat like-minded, but also looking for a community of friends and dare I say family to come together. I think that what you said about the air story is absolutely the case where they all were looking for something and then they, they didn't know what they were looking for, but these portals and these machines have kind of put them together and they're figuring it out together. Um, yeah, and, and when it comes to the, it comes to, to being a friend of life, you know, yeah, there's, there are people that I know that I've known for a long time that I still know. Now, are we close at the same level that we were before? No, because that crossroad that we were at previously, we're not at that crossroad anymore where we've gone on our own path, but we're still cool. If things come back around and that we, we intersect in a crossroad and it has us intersect again, we'll probably talk a little bit more. We'll probably, but but we're still totally cool. We're still good. There's no reason for me to have an issue with that person, but we're just not at that crossroad anymore. No, I get it. Life goes on, right? There's a life goes on. And oddly, I kind of needed to hear that. So thank you. So yeah. And I think too, one of the things about Matt and I, okay. So Ayers was originally Matt's project and his creation. And then I came about around issue three or four and I'd been, here along for the ride ever since but one of the things that spoke to me as just a fan at the time and a reader with airs was that these were misunderstood people uh people who were going through some sort of trial or tribulation in their life that was significant it wasn't just oh i lost my job or uh, which is still a major thing but these people were all going through a major event in their lives and all got pulled towards somebody who was a beacon of light to sort of ground them into reality. And that spoke to me at the time. And that was kind of what catapulted Matt and I to realize that we were wanting the same things creatively. And we ended up uh, forming in symmetry creations and you know the rest is history. But um, that was one of the things that spoke to me about Ayers in the very, very beginning before I was even involved in the project which I am now, you know, as a co-writer and a co-creator and kind of kind of seeing the story through in its evolution at this point, because where it is now is very different than where it was in the beginning. But that's what you want in this type of story in any story, really, is you want to see that kind of evolution and that crazy, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen next, but also character arcs and development within the characters themselves. And that's what really spoke to me. So, um, you know, I could say that the, it's kind of real life mirroring the fiction that we write as well. Well, one of the fun things too about where we're at in this arc is if you look at 
the crossroads conundrum. It was all about Michael Sealdor. He's the most respected citizen in Shadow's Haven. And he just won their Citizen of the Year Award. And um, everybody looks up to him. And he opens these portals and these, these individuals that are on the, the, the outskirts of life, some of them right near death, come through. And he kind of aligns them and he's their leader. And then this event happens at the end of Crossroads Conundrum. And for the entire Perilous Prospects, you've had Michael in this coma. And everybody has had to figure out how to move forward. And they do move forward. And we've completely flipped the script because when this supernatural explosion happened, Michael's life has now been prescribed onto somebody else who happens to be his best friend, Shiver. So at the end of issue two, Michael wakes up from this coma and he wakes up into a world where he's got no job, no house, no laboratory. His entire life is now on somebody else. So he, so when he comes back, the script has been flipped and he's the guy that's like, do I even have a place here? I went from, you know, feeling like I was the leader of this group to now, am I still a part of your group? And that's been a super fun arc for him. And that's one of the things that Steph was really big on was we didn't want Michael to have this hero worship about him. You know, people respect him and he's kind of like the top of the food chain, but we wanted all the other people to feel like they had their times where they were also the leader. They also got to lead for a point. So it truly becomes an ensemble. Even if Michael Sealdor is the title character, he's now a part of the ensemble, just like everyone else. It kind of reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you guys like are anime fans, but fairy tale. Right. Yeah. I, I'm familiar with the story yeah. enough to know. Yes. Um, and, and yeah, that's the, the big thing is that, um, I didn't want, and I don't think that, at least in these times, anybody wants to see a story where one character is elevated to godlike status, yeah. unless the story lends itself to be exactly that. Otherwise, it doesn't really work, and it feels almost like icky, like, okay, this person is too perfect or too revered, and all the side characters are just kind of there to adore them. And I don't think that's the story that any of us want to hear anymore. And so that's one of the things we've worked on with Ayers over the past few years is making sure that the side characters really come into their own and have their own story arcs and their own character arcs and are also strong and intelligent and lend themselves to what's going on in the story. No more chosen ones. Well, and then one of the things too that, you know, for anybody that's listening to this show, we don't want you to go, holy crap, they're talking about the Crossroads Conundrum and all these arcs and you've working on this for years. This sounds intimidating to be able to jump into this story. We purposely make sure that that is not the case. We make sure that every issue when you pick it up, even if it's part of an ongoing arc, we make sure that you understand what's going on with the characters, where they're at at that time. We'll do expand and understand at the end of the issue so that there's like a summary of where the character is. We'll put a kind of like a TV show where it's like previously on and here's the things yeah. you really need to know so you can understand what's going on in that book right then. Obviously, um, if you want to understand the Perilous Prospects arc, you want to get the whole thing. But uh, we try to do the best we can so that you have jumping on points frequently in there. Um, and even so much with the music, we have the whole metal music side where if you go listen to the metal music songs, you've got the lyrics that are there that can help to expand out character origins. You don't need 
the story to like to understand the music. You don't need the music to understand the story, but you put them together and you've got an experience that you're not going to get anywhere else. Um, there will be a new Heirs of a Sealed song, the first new direct air song since Heirs of a Sealed versus Tales from Eternity album. Um, we did do song for I Am Keto, uh, but this is going to be the first direct new air song. And super stoked if you go to the campaign and you look at the, the campaign video right now, we only have a 15 second teaser that's there. And that's 15 seconds of the song. Before the end of the campaign, we'll expand that out so you can hear a little bit more of the uh, of the new song that's going to be upcoming. I, I'm glad you kind of went there because I wanted to talk to you. That I literally said this to you privately. I'm saying this publicly. That was one of the most impressive teaser videos I've ever seen. Like, honestly. Well, and, and, I, and I, I, I appreciate that too because it's 15 seconds and I'm like, yeah. people really, people like, really, people really respond to the this 15 videos. second video. Well, no, because like 15 second video. Yeah. Because you cut like, like, here's the thing. Like when I, 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 and I, I'm saying this is something that freelance makes videos for people too. Right. A lot of people get caught up in preamble. There's no preamble with what you did. You were straight to the point. Right. And that was, and that was beautiful because that's the thing. Like, you're like, you know what, this is what it's about. People immediately got it. Right. You also did a fantastic job with the production of it too. So I can't like, like, thank you, sir. I, I, yeah, you really did. Like, I will never offer my video services to you because frankly, I, you don't, <laughs> right. Because you're really good at it. Right. Because you under, you have a really, you have a really good grasp of what's important in a story. And a lot of times when creatives talk about, tell me about your, tell me about your book. Right. They'll get, they'll go, uh, hum, uh, ha, and they'll go this long preamble. No, you, 15 seconds. I got it. I don't need to know anything else. It's exactly how you're supposed to pitch a story. Which I appreciate as well as, yeah. as a fellow creator who is supporting and reading other titles as well. Yeah, no, it's, no, it, it, like that, like, I, I want to give you your flowers here because honest to God, like you did a fantastic job. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, one of the things that one of the things that we we always try to tell um, creators, and I can tell you that this is a conversation that's happened on many occasions. Uh, you have somebody who's a new creator, and they're like, "I've got this universe, and I've got this, and all this stuff's going to happen. It's amazing. It's beautiful. There's all this," and they 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 want in their mind. There's this huge, huge universe, and it's good that they. The problem is, is what's cool in their mind that they've been developing for years. Nobody else is going to get sold by hearing the Indy 500 length um, pitch. I'm like, okay, this is great that you've got this universe. Now you need to find an eight page little clip that is the most interesting thing that you can possibly get in this universe so that you can put it out and that you can grab people with that little clip. And we have counseled people that way and instructed people that way. We've seen people do that. And it really helps because not only, not only does it help to clean up this universe, it helps the creator to go, is there something in this story that I can find that is actually going to be interesting to other people? Or is this just this big rambling onslaught of, things that I'm hacking together doesn't really have a point. And so, like you said, the video we do, we had to get right down to the point. Even when we do the little bit extended one, we're still going to try to make sure it's to the point because 
If you don't know what the point is, why do you care about the rest of the story? All right. Uh, so I, I'm just going to, like, for me, I, I pitched a novel to an agent this year. I've actually sent a, well, it's actually being considered by an agent right now. Here is my pitch. An alternative universe night, which hunts down and kills evil versions of the Knights of the Round. What was the last part? And hunts down and what? A, a night which hunts and kills evil versions of the Knights of the Round. I think that you know the whole story right there. I think that that's a good uh, a good uh, elevator pitch. Yeah, that's sure. one of the things that we have worked on a lot this year because what we have noticed, because we do a lot of shows, we do a lot of Florida shows, we do a lot of East Coast shows. I'm in the West Coast. So we are... Every show that we do, whether it is a small one-day signing or if it's a big four-day show, we do like a post-mortem where we say, okay, what have we learned from this show? That's one of the biggest things. And I feel like any creator should do that, whether they are doing it by themselves or they have a partner or whatever. Go in and sit and take a few minutes to go, okay, what did I learn from this show that I can take and, and improve upon with the next show? We do that every show. So um, one of the things that we have learned is that a quick pitch is usually better than a really long-winded pitch because somebody that is at a show, at least, might be different with Kickstarter, might be different on these types of platforms. But when you're at a show, those people have paid money to wander around the building all day long and they stop at your booth and they may be lackadaisical and think oh i have all day or they may be somebody that's like um i'm getting ready to go see x celebrity i need you to tell me in like 30 seconds what your story is about so that i can purchase it or not because i'm gonna be late for my signing or whatever you know with the celebrity that they paid money for so we've kind of tweaked our our pitches based off of that and we have found that a lot of times, not with everybody, you have to kind of feel the person that comes to your table. But a lot of times, the quicker the pitch, the shorter and more concise the pitch, the better. Doesn't mean every time, because there are those people that they are like the very analytical type, but you kind of know that within the first few minutes of talking to them. And we've been doing this long enough that we know that based on the conversation that we're having with the person. And so we can kind of do the quick pitch like, hey, this is what it is. It's this, this, this. And here's how you get the story. And this is how much it is. Versus the person that comes and says, okay, so what are the character motivations? We're happy to talk to somebody about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're happy to talk about either one. And we usually figure that within the first 10 seconds or so, I would say. And we're still working on it every single show. Yeah. Even if it's a yeah, show we're that not I do or Steph it. does and not the other <laughs> no. one. Yeah, we we got to modify it every single time because consumer spending, consumer desires change. And they, I mean, you look at the economy right now compared to the economy in 2022, it's like a whole different globe. So you have to just be willing to maneuver that every single time that you do a show every time. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it never ends. But the other thing I will say about concise pitching though, this is the other thing I actually found when I have a concise pitch in my head, my story's better. Yeah. Yeah. Usually people want that quick thing, especially if you can be like, compare it to two different things. It's this meets this in like pop culture or whatever. The vast majority of people are going to identify that because with that, because they already know what those things are. 
Um, so you have to kind of gauge, but we have a lot of success in saying like with keto, we said, you know, it's Mad Max uh, meets um, Mortal Kombat and Soul Calibur. Yeah, Mortal Kombat. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why I was spacing on that, but Mad Max meets Mortal Kombat and people were like, you can just see like the light, the switch click in them and that they were, you know, happy. They were like, okay, this is something that I can get behind. The impressions they create all right i think i think we almost have a full interview here I, there was yes there is, there, there's two things there's two things i kind of wanted to add before we go steph i want your score for the super bowl okay so i'm between like 21 24 or like 30 in like the 30s like 28 but obviously i have to pick my team to win and here here's the thing Chiefs are a formidable foe. They're the real deal. They are a talented team. They have struggled along the way. I won't say what the reasons for that those distractions have been, but I feel like there have been distractions. But it's going to be a hard-fought game. And my hope is that because historically, uh, Super Bowl games tend to be a little boring and low-scoring games historically. So if my team can go out there and do their best and you know, if that, regardless of whether they win or lose, then that's okay. But historically, when my team hasn't been in the Super Bowl, I'm like, yeah, this, this is kind of a low scoring, like boring game. So hopefully the Niners win. Chiefs have had their moments, but you know, that, that, that's my, my guess is like a 21, 24 range. You got a score, Matt? Um, I think it's probably <laughs> going to be more like, it's going to be like 38, 34, somebody. Somebody. <laughs> I was so very careful in the words he chose. I already told them earlier today, I'm like, hey, if you are rooting against the Niners, it's okay. I get it. You don't have okay. to like, I'm, my feelings are going to hurt. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell her what I said earlier today. Listen, I'm a Dolphin fan. As far as I'm concerned, the season is over. The season ended a few weeks yeah. ago. All this stuff just happened. That's usually yeah, how I feel during the Super Bowl. Fair enough. But, you know, as a, in, in all honesty, I was rooting for Detroit because when we get to the playoffs, my team is yeah. always rooting for the team because I've the Super Bowl or not won a Super Bowl. So when you get around, it was Detroit or the Texans. And then when Detroit went out, they went out the way that they did, that was such a such a bizarre way for them to lose and be out of it. Like, yeah. if it was Detroit and Kansas City, I would be, I would fall in for Detroit. Um, I would still be falling but, for Detroit, even if they had beaten us. Yeah. I'm just saying. But you look at this football and you've got one and two things that are happening. you got 49ers that are going to add on to their legacy, or West you've got Kansas six. City going six rings. to... Or you've got Kansas City, who is going to, to truly add on to being the next dynasty. And anything yeah, that puts absolutely. the Patriots farther in people's rearview mirror, I'm perfectly yeah. fine with. So either way, there's going to be something positive because I'm a Brock. I mean, I'm a Purdy fan. I, I thought that it's amazing that he's come up from being Mr. Irrelevant to be a Super Bowl starting quarterback, um, starting quarterback for the Dolphins. You know, real deal. The Dolphins are like San Francisco E. 
like San Francisco East. So you know what? It'll, it'll yeah, be a fun game of, to watch because either like, way, it's going to be a all of San Francisco's like coaches and players go to the Dolphins, and Matt's a huge Dolphins fan. So I'm like, yeah, well, I have a soft a... spot in my heart for yes. this person and that person. Yeah. Like <laughs> you know, Fangio and it'll be, it'll be versus Dynasty. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you look at the Dolphins' two best players this year: former 49ers ring back, former Chiefs wide receiver. So I mean. It Which the Chiefs do not have this year that they had in 2020 when they played and beat the Niners. So we will see what happens. But either way, you know, so, so either here's way. My, here's my opinion. If you can run on the Chiefs, you can beat them. That's that. That's the whole secret to it. Because you can bully, you can actually bully that defensive line a little bit. Detroit did it in the very first game. Yeah. So it you have to be able to run on them. The big problem... Yeah. The thing that, okay, I'm not going to go too much into it. The thing that really annoyed me about Baltimore, why didn't you run the ball? Like, I never understood. I did not understand Yeah, that, that. was a... That's been the mistake that yeah. so many teams have made this season. And I'm like, why are you doing, doing that? That's right. not what you should be doing right now. But especially Baltimore. Baltimore yeah. was, uh, was a mystery to me. It's like, why? You're the best running team in the league. Why Absolutely. aren't you running? Because you might be because you're because passing wise i gotta say i give the chiefs credit they might have the best passing defense in the entire league yeah but you can run on them right this so. is why once you get to the playoffs it's anybody's game because i could have sworn it i remember matt and i having a conversation and sorry chiefs fans i have nothing against the chiefs but we were like chiefs aren't that great this year i don't think they're making it in the super bowl and oh, the Chiefs, was, they, they're sad they have, they have no number one receiver. Luckily for them, she Rice has come on because, yeah, I was convinced that the Ravens were going to make it to the Super Bowl. The fact that they did not is shocking to me. Well, to no, be honest, it, it's okay. The fact that Kansas City beat them isn't entirely a shock. The fact that how they beat them blew my mind. It was like, yeah. like I said, if, if I'm if I'm looking at defeats, I would rather have lost like Detroit did, yeah. Than like no, I agree with that because yeah, it's been a crazy, and that's why once you get to the playoffs, it's anybody's game. Yeah, it it just comes down to luck and grit and determination and talent and all of that stuff, but really luck as well. I mean, it it just is the way that it goes. So, so I'm gonna enjoy these last few days. I'm gonna enjoy Sunday. I hope my team wins, but you know, I I got you. So I, I may have, I may have promised before the stream began that I would cabbage patch in your honor. So. Right. So I actually have, I actually have a dance because okay. So the Niners are like, if you look at their, I I sent it to Matt before we got into this. I'm like, have you seen what their their mascot used to be before it was Sourdough Sam? It was like this prospector shooting guns, and I'm like, that's not okay in this climate. You can't just be like have a have a <laughs> have like a, a a you know somebody representing your team that's just shooting off guns. That's my celebratory dance. I'm not gonna do it tonight. I'm gonna save it for the Super Bowl. Oh, I think I Matt think I think it. you should give him a no, you've got to give him a little okay. preview while you're sitting so, down of, of your of your dance. You've got to give him a preview. It's, it's a little to. bit of woo-hoo! and then it's the the representation of the shooting the guns, but it is based off of the original the Barney Irish logo. So I'm just saying it's sourdough Sam. He's a look at the prospectors. And I guarantee that that's going to be happening on Sunday every time they score. So now, if they Josh, don't so score, just imagine, they will. Just imagine her doing that with the knees out to the side. Yep, I've seen that dance in person. He it's has pretty seen ridiculous. it in person. We watched the, when they beat Dallas so badly. We were watching that game after a show. 
And he was like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, this is just what I do when I watch games. Hey, it's part I don't of the know fun. what it's you Dolphins fans do. Maybe you pretend like you're like jumping through the water or something, but this is Hey, fins up, baby. Don't be messing with, don't be messing with, don't be messing with, fins up. Fins up now, let's go. But you know what? All I do is just jump around my house, jump around my house screaming. That's what I do. Oh, he absolutely does. Watching a game with him is scary because you never know when he's going to jump up and start screaming. And you're probably, if you're holding your phone, it's going to fly through the air. You just got to make sure that you just got to make sure that you know you're not in the jump zone. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't be in a situation where if I'm going to jump up from the couch, that you might you might catch a you might catch a stray elbow or something like that as I'm going up in the air. You know, that's so. So essentially, if I ever watch a football game with you, assume we're in a mosh pit. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that, right. that is the same level of energy. It's a little scary. You fear for your life, but you're like, you know what? He's having a good time. He's like, yeah, I'm yeah. having a good time this week too. Yeah, you it, can't it, take it, that away from you me. You really should. I, I'm just, again. There's still a part of me, a little part of me tearing up, but hey, I can't really complain how far it went. I can't. Well, I normally I would be pulling for Detroit to be honest <laughs> if we weren't playing for them because I'm like these fans are long suffering and deserve it, but. You know, yeah, hey, I got to go hey, for my team. So hey, hey, look at the bright side. We got farther than Dallas has. In the you last absolutely did. <laughs> Next season, I think you guys are going to be a formidable foe. Yes. So indeed, indeed, indeed. All right. So let's let's do a proper pitch here. So how? So who wants who wants to go up here? It's it's, it's time to, to wrap this bad boy up. Uh to pitch the pitch the Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. Sure. All right. So listen. So heirs of a sealed or the perilous prospects books one through three are on Kickstarter right now. Michael Sealdor has returned from his supernatural sabbatical. Will it be enough to be able to right all the apocalyptic wrongs that are happening in the city of Shadowshaven? Uh, there are four different books that are up there. You've got uh, two new shirts. You're going to have a brand new metal song. We've got some reissued socks. We have got tons of uh, catch-up tiers. If you missed I Am Keto, you missed any of Perilous Prospects 1 and 2, we've got tons of stuff up there that you can add on you want to be a part of this campaign. We want to be able to get this out there to you. You want this story in your life. You really do. I think this is my favorite arc so far that we've done in the Airs universe. I told Matt that the other, well, it's, it's probably been a few weeks, but I'm like, I think this is my favorite. Uh, this is when the stakes are raised so high that there's emotional um, ramifications. So. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, take a look at their kickstarter definitely hit some links in the description below if you are listening to the show check the links in the description below to actually donate to the campaign this will be coming out a little earlier than than you know i typically do these episodes i talked to my boss already it's a little bit of a prick but i'll probably make sure that this arrives in the audio sooner than later i will just say that but for everybody watching everybody listening thank you for watching thank you for listening Stay inspired. Keep shining in the dark. I want to thank Steph and Matt for gracing me with their presence. And we'll definitely do some more. <laughs> she keeps going 49ers. Sorry. All the way through. I'm sorry. Sorry, <laughs> sorry not sorry. sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I'm good with that. Dolphin. This is stopping after this week. <laughs> I, 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 real quick, pinkies up with the fin, Matt. Yay, man. No. Oh, I'm yeah. the pinkies up. Uh, yeah. You gotta have the whole hand. It's kind of whole, whole hand. Whole hand. Hands up. Okay. Whole hand for fins up. Whole hand for fins up. Whole hand for fins up. So for Matt and Steph, I want to thank everybody for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Have yourselves a good one, ladies and gentlemen. Want to learn how to put together a podcast? Well, you're in luck. As someone who has done over 1,000 episodes of the podcast, have won awards, and have also done shows for companies and clients, I am more than happy to teach you. 
how it is to create a podcast. In my course, you will learn the following skills, how to put together a show, what does that actually entail, whether it's audio or video, how to interview guests, how to, why you would actually get guests, if that is the, whether you do them or not regularly on the show, whether or not you how to market your show, whether you're trying to make money, or even how to do some extra fun things that you never would imagine doing in a podcast. This is my course. This is how it's done. And I'm here to show you. So for the month of December, you will get 25% off if you register for the course. It launches for December, the week of Christmas. So definitely click on the link in the description below if you want to register. Josh. Josh.